Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and others on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Welcome back to More Than Amused Podcast. I'm Sadie. And I'm Stani. And we're just really happy to have all of you here. If this is your first time listening, welcome if it's not your first time then welcome back we are so happy you continue listening to us Mm -hmm. and today is a very exciting podcast we're having an interview with hall rockefeller and she actually runs an organization on instagram called less than half the handle is all dot the dot lady dot artists so you can find it And she actually has a master's and bachelor's in art history, and she's living in Germany right now. So it was very cool to talk to someone on the other side of the world. No, it was really cool. And she actually reached out to us, and that's kind of how we discovered this organization. But when she did, I was like giddy because I was like, this is exactly, you know, what we're doing or what we hope to do. And yeah, I talking to her was super cool. She provided just a lot of great insights. She definitely works in the world of like arts and like painters and like galleries and art shows and things like that which I personally don't know a whole ton about so it was really cool to hear her Mm -hmm. insight and just to you know see her perspective on all of that and yeah it was really cool yeah definitely and she has some amazing things going on that she talks about she has a 50 women project where she's talking to women all over the United States about um their artwork And then she also has like some newsletters and other things and she's a writer. So I'm sure it's incredible. Mm -hmm. So something to go and see, um, especially if you're searching for a little bit more of art by women in your life. Yes. So we will just go ahead and get right into the interview then. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for joining with us. It's so cool that, like, you know, I was thinking, like, it's so crazy that you're in Germany, but, like, we can still do these type of calls. Like, wow, technology, you know? It's I, know so cool. I love it. Um, it's so true. It's one of the things I think it took us a pandemic to realize somehow. <laughs> I, know. I know. Like, obviously, so many terrible things. Like, one benefit is I think, yeah, this will be like a new thing where we're like, wait a minute, like, we have this technology, let's use it. <laughs> Absolutely. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, well, awesome. Yeah, it's nice to meet you. I'm Sadie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm Stani. Hi. Great. I'm home. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, oh, nice cool. to formally meet you. Yes, um, yeah, we're so glad you found us. I've been looking through totally. your organization tons. Like, obviously, you know, we have pretty similar 
missions or goals, you know, yes. <laughs> of what you're doing. We were just talking about like scrolling through your in- Instagram page that you have and like all your quotes and like, not quotes, but like, you know, things that you point out and talk about right. and it's just right. that conversation yes. that like, we're always having. So anyways, yeah, just so glad you're here because I feel like we'll have a lot to discuss here. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I think we will. Yeah. Okay. So starting out, do you just kind of want to maybe give a brief introduction on who you are and then I guess what started this process of starting this organization or I guess, yeah, just kind of give us that brief intro. That'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Hall Rockefeller. I'm the founder and director of Less Than Half, which is a um, online platform for female artists. Um, it started out based in New York, but since the pandemic, I've really broadened my scope um, for just the reasons we're talking about. Technology has made it very easy or quarantine has made it much more appealing to look Mm -hmm. beyond um, New York City. Um, And I've started to do profiles and interviews with women around the U.S. Um, I also do lectures and tours and other events surrounding, um, you know, education on on female artists. So that's that's what I'm about in a nutshell. That's amazing. That's so Um, incredible. We were, I was reading like your bio on your website. So you have a degree then in art history. Is that right? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I went to college for art history and then um, I got my master's in England, actually um, also in art history. So got two degrees in art history. (laughs) That's That's amazing. What like inspired you to go into art history? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think every college student has a bit of a crisis in, you know, or at least American so- uh, co- college student, um, sort of yeah. around their sophomore year, trying to figure out what, um, what it is they, quote, want to do with their life. Um, art history was something that sort of was, I guess, always in my life, but I never realized it wasn't in other people's lives. So, um, I didn't realize that it was a sort of an interest that that held my attention and maybe not everyone's attention so I think at that point I realized well hey you know this is something that is speaking to me then I may as well pursue it um and I've always been a very visual person so understanding a visual world is you know already a language that made sense to me um and it just kept going from there it's hard to stop a you know a ball when it's rolling down a hill That's incredible. I have so much respect for like the art history majors because just from the classes I have to take, I'm like, ah, there's like so much memorization and like learning all the facts and keeping everyone straight. It gets confusing fast. So I admire it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's certainly, um, yeah, a lot of dates, a lot of flashcards. You get your cup of tea, you sit down and you sort of cozy up and then you just, you know, power through. Mm -hmm definitely totally so you said that like so this art history interest you've always had like did you like grow up doing art or like where do you think that like originally stemmed from yeah that's a good question um you know my mother loves art um you know she always was you know has had a keen interest in having you know art on our walls and art around um so I think that was definitely part of it I mean New York City is oh yeah a place where it's pretty much impossible to avoid it um we would my mom um took us to the Met every Friday afternoon um and you know when you're 
little, you want to see the mummies and you want to see the things you're learning about in school. And that's uh, amazing in itself that you're just mm -hmm. reading about something in your textbook and then there it is in front of you. Um, but of course, the Met is very easy to get lost in. So you end up walking past the million and one things that aren't in your history textbooks yet. Um, and you just sort of get absorbed by them. So, I mean, I, I certainly credit the Met. It's, I mean, one of the best institutions in the whole world. So, yeah. um, and to live, you know, in the same, you know, vicinity of it was, was a privilege. So um, I can't, can't say it wasn't uh, the Met. And then as, as, you know, sort of tastes sort of mature a little bit and, and modern art starts to make a little bit more sense, MoMA's right down the road too. So yeah. um, that's, that's also, um, yeah, two of the best institutions in the world. It's, it's can't be underestimated. No. Oh, that's so that's cool. Incredible. Yeah. Growing up in New York. I went to New York when I was 13, I think. And yeah, I remember going through there and I fell in love with that city. Like I cannot wait until one day I can go back because it was so like, you know, I love that energy, but like you said, like being able to like read about something in a textbook and then going to go see it. Like I can only imagine like that probably was so cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I imagine being 13 coming to New York for the first time must be pretty shocking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm from like suburb Utah, like very different to like be going around the city. And I was like wide eyed, like this is amazing. So yeah, yeah one day I'll, I'll get back there for sure. It will I be really there, feel I like nothing beats that feeling though of like seeing your textbook like hanging on the art gallery wall and you're just like, whoa, right. like that's it what I've been sense. seeing. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. amazing, though, to live so close. How cool. Yeah. So mm -hmm. at what point in, like, your art history education and everything else did you start noticing the sexism <laughs> of, like, the females? That's a great, 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 great question. Um, <laughs> yeah. Way, way later than you would think. Um, you know, I've always been aware of, you know, feminism and, you know, of course, yeah. we were taught about, you know, early feminist movements in, in school. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I realized it until sometime in college. Um, I took a, an intro art history course and I did the flashcards um, and had all my dates to memorize. And I, I looked at the piles of flashcards and I thought, you know, there, there are literally five women in this deck and there are, you know, maybe 150 men. And, mm -hmm. um, and they also were just sort of a random assortment. It wasn't like it made any coherent sense. It was, um, you know, it really felt like they were sort of token, token women in some ways. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that was sort of unbelievable to me. Um, and of course, you know, anytime you look into the history of art, you just pull back one curtain and there are all the women. And, you know, they've been doing the same thing as the men. They've been working just as hard. They've been, you know, innovating in the same way. It's just like someone decided to take that curtain and just pull it closed. And um, once I realized that, it was off to the races. I mean, there's literally no end to the the things you can learn about that hidden art history. Yeah, definitely. I love that so much. I feel like that's why we're all sitting here right now is mm -hmm. that moment where it's just like, 
wait a second <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like i had a moment like that myself in music history where i was like supposed to cho- choose a composer and i looked through this list of like 30 and i'm like there's one girl guess i'm gonna learn more about her because <laughs> what is going on here absolutely yeah. I, I i mean i don't know too much about music but i wonder if it's even worse in terms of just because of you know i think writing and this is you know i think writing is something that's very personal and accessible you need yeah. a piece of paper and a pen so you know women you know you have emily dickinson who's you know sequestered up in her room and she's writing and yeah. you have people who are you know able to do it i mean of course there are tons of roadblocks but then yeah. you have painting which requires this sort of big you know you have to learn study from nude models which women yeah. weren't allowed to do you mm-hmm. have to you know have paints which are expensive and canvases so I feel like there's a more of a, a barrier there but then music it's just like, yeah I, I don't I don't know well how. yeah as we've I because I've learned you know even just doing this podcast like learning more about and diving into more about the women that were composers like they're ones that we do now now it's either because their brothers or their fathers mm-hmm. are huge figures in music and so just by default we just know about their family and then oh, hey, like, looks like the daughter was also good at it, too, or, (laughs) oh, you know, hey. So it's always, like, a unique situation where, for some reason, the dad, the father was, like, willing to teach their daughters, or their brother was really good at it, or their wife was, you know, also a musician. But it's, like, if they didn't have that proximity to their famous, the famous male composers, we honestly probably wouldn't know about them and like that's kind of like the tragedy at least that I see in the music world and like those music composers so yeah I mean like you said it's all about that accessibility of like you know I said like writing it's just pen and paper but yeah anyway so I I, exactly (laughs) yeah I mean you find that a lot um you know the sort of brother brother father proximity Mm -hmm. for a lot of famous famous artists um except I was reading uh, yesterday, there's a new, what was it? Rosa Bonheur, who's this uh, French 19th century animal sort of landscape painter. Um, her, her chateau uh, was just purchased and is sort of being restored into a museum um, in France in sort of right outside, of, oh, like 50 miles outside of Paris. And um, she was this like incredible exception where she just was sort of a self-made woman and yeah. she was particularly talented and then she just sort of rose straight to the ranks and became you know an unbelievably successful woman so successful that she you know came from very little means and she bought the chateau with the earnings from her paintings and you know cornelius vanderbilt collected her paintings and queen victoria knew of her and the empress came to visit her and um so she's one of the few sort of exceptions to that that rule of um you know sort of pre-20th century women. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a list. I would love to investigate that and find find more women who just sort of, just by sheer tenacity, um, mm-hmm. yeah. um, educated themselves. With that, you said like how like there were like king or, you know, emperors, the queens knew who she was. Something that we've like talked about and that we've found with like these women 
artists that we find is that in their time period, they were very revered and they were respected, but then now nobody knows about them. So it's like, where is that happening? You know, where in their lifetimes, they're actually very successful and they do maybe succeed fame. But then as soon as they pass away, it's like nobody knows who they are and that doesn't live on. So I don't know, like just hearing that it kind of make, reminds me of like a couple people that we've talked about. It's just mm-hmm. like seeing those trends over and over again. It's, it's so sad. <laughs> it is. It is. I think about that a lot because I, you know, I, I, I of course want to know why it is, you know, was it just their sort of energy and personality that kept their, their sort of um, their reputation alive or, yeah. or is there something sort of more nefarious going on where, you know, I don't know, I, as a writer, as a person who, you know, understands that, you know, putting, you know, maybe the paintings are in, you know, the Louvre or, or some yeah. museum somewhere and that that's going to be accessible only to a certain amount of people based on geography and, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other factors. But writing is the thing that, you know, most most people know of people like Artemisia Gentileschi or, um, you know, any, any painter or, or artist because they've read about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking that it must be the writers who have dropped the ball, who have stopped, you know, adding, you know, the name Artemisia Gentileschi into a list of, um, you know, painters or, you know, don't reference her or decide not to write a book on her. And then mm-hmm. that just sort of feeds on itself. And then yeah. history. no, that's so true. For me, it's always been the textbooks. That's where I mm-hmm. notice it the yeah. most where it's like, wait, what? Cause it's like, well, they're there and people have written books on some of these people, but like, if it never makes it to the textbook, the students are never going to hear about them. And it's like, if you have to go out of your way to learn about people, a lot less people are going to hear about them. So yeah, it is a very weird thing. And it's like, what's happening here? Yeah. Um, No, that's so true. And you know, a high school freshman or a, you know, senior in college, they're the people who are going to write the books eventually. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like they're the future PhDs and art historians. Um, So if they don't hear about them early on, then it's over. Yeah. For the most part. Except for, you know, (laughs) enterprising (laughs) people who are determined to revive these these reputations. Agreed. Very true. So at what point did you start less than half? Uh, It's a great question. I graduated from my master's and I um, started that fall. So graduated in the summer and then started in the fall. So 2017. So it's been three years now. Um, And it really was just a place for me to put my thoughts while I was, you know, trying to figure out what to do next. Um, And then it became the thing to do next. So um, I'm very grateful for that. Um, And again, grateful for technology, just that the internet is a place where you can just say stuff. (laughs) Um, And, you know, as you develop some sort of a, you know, modest following, then you sort of have this obligation to the sort of shadowy internet people. So (laughs) I was, I was, I appreciated um, having, having that and feeling, you know, a little bit of of structure and and pressure. So, um, and also it's just like having art in your life is a much better life than not having art in your life. So mm-hmm. it, you, know, you, you have to pay attention to those things that really 
you know, make you want to start your day. Um, so, yeah, let that all go. No, I love that. Um, so do you primarily now do then just stuff with this organization? Like, is that your main focus then? Yes, yes. Um, awesome. I freelance for uh, other publications. Um, mm. I... I mean, the wonderful thing about freelance is that you really can sort of pitch what you want to pitch. So mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever written about a male artist, um, <laughs> which is kind of great. And then of I course it. it's all, yeah. <clears throat> and any work I'm doing for a different publication is, is, you know, a new way to learn a new, a new person to learn about that I can sort of fold into the bigger picture that I'm, I'm slowly constructing. I love that. That's like such a sneaky way to like further it. <laughs> you know, I've been noticing like um, I'm still in school and like every project we have in my latest art history class, if he gives us the option of a woman, I do it on them because it's like, yeah. I'm just going to be the one person that's like, yeah, <laughs> totally. forget that famous person. Let's learn about right. the female. <laughs> right. And I mean, it's a great way as a, you know, as a I'm not a PhD, you know, we're not, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not at a level where I'm going to be making sort of like crazy innovations and, and, and find new scholarship on someone like Picasso or Matisse. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, when you're, you know, at a level that, you know, at a, at a bachelor's level or a master's level to be able to sort of actually do original research and actually like push scholarship forward on a certain woman um it's a great opportunity and a great way to really feel like you know your work matters I feel like so often in college you're like okay I'm like writing the same essay that everyone else has written but mm -hmm. when you're writing that's why I wrote about I wrote about Annie Albers um as a weaver from the Bauhaus and came to the United States in the uh, 1930s and I wrote about her because it was like you know, I can read all the scholarship on her pretty much, you know, you can, yeah. if you have six months to write a paper and you're going to write it on Picasso, it's, you're, you're never going to read it all. Um, yeah. But with, with her, I felt like I really could get a grasp of it and, and, you know, say a tiny little thing that no one else has ever said before. So that was, you know, really like personally gratifying. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, so I totally, I highly encourage everybody to, to do exactly what you're doing. Um, yeah. Well, that's kind of what we found like as, cause you know, we had our own personal reasons for starting this of just like, mm -hmm. you know, same thing as you, like we just noticed that the women were missing, but like, I find that like the more that we're doing this and the more I'm learning about women in the arts, like you're right. It's so gratifying of just like getting that window into these you know, women who are so, who are maybe forgotten or, and like you said, like sometimes there's not a whole lot there. Like that, you know, it's not like a quick Google search pulls up like right. everything and there's like countless biographies you can read. So right. you kind of have to explore and like see what you can find. And you're right. It, it's fun. And it's that gratifying thing of like, I'm finding something out and I'm telling her story because it deserves to be exactly. shared. Yes. Exactly. And it's been like really enlightening. Like there was a small part of me that was like, crap, what if we run out of things to talk about at the beginning? And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, we are never going to ever possibly run out of things to yeah. talk about. Like yeah. there is so much there. And the problem is, is that it's just under the surface. Like it's mm -hmm. just beyond the grasp of like 
the general public to the point that this deserves it more than anyone else. Like we don't need to do a podcast episode on Vincent Van Gogh. He has plenty of fame and notoriety. It needs to be given to people that didn't receive as much of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the thing I've noticed is that, you know, people, museums like to do the big Vincent Van Gogh show because, Mm -hmm. you know, it gets people in the door and they're sort of more hesitant to do it on someone no one's ever heard of. But that's turning out to be such, you know, BS. It's, it's, you know, the Hillmoff Clint show in at the Guggenheim was the show that sold the most tickets in the, in the museum's history. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, you know, increased memberships by, you know, I don't know, 15% or something. And, you know, I think that shows that one, that they're wrong about what gets people in the door. And two, that people are starved for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't want another Van Gogh show because you go to a show and you see all the things that you've already seen. And, you know, you sort of, you're not going to engage in a way that mm-hmm. that is exciting and is why people want to look at art. So when you go to a show and it's all new stuff and P.S. It's all great stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, there are whole careers, whole mm-hmm. lives that have developed and, and had challenges and, and surmounted those challenges. It's all there. Um, it's not like it's a concession. It's 100% as good. Um, yeah. you know, there's mm-hmm. no reason to say Helmoff Clint isn't as good as Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of like a maybe like a preconceived notion that people on the outside maybe will think who aren't familiar with arts of like, oh, well, if I knew about it, that meant it was good enough to know about. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you said that of like, no, it's just as good. It's just, there's different reasons why, you know, there haven't been the shows on it or if we don't, they're not like the common household name. So no, I love that. (laughs) It's such a, it's such a disservice that, yeah, people think that, first of all, that, that there could possibly have hierarchy in, in yeah. art. Mm-hmm. You know, there are always, you know, there's like dumb internet articles about, you know, the top 10, you know, best artists of all time. And it's just like, what? <laughs> what, is, <laughs> what could that possibly mean? Yeah. What gets to decide what's good and what's not? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that you've been covering like myths about female Mm. art on your page um I wrote a paper over the summer about like women in the arts in general and like (laughs) a lot of these myths came up because I was really trying to find out why (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um especially like your first one is women are muses not makers which I think fits in so perfectly with our whole thing Mm -hmm. but also like um women's art is inherently female Mm. that one like always bugs me so bad <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. if you say that that apparently you've never seen the work of a female artist right. but <laughs> um what are some like other I guess challenges that you've seen as you've tried to expose more female art challenges sort of personally um, or personally challenges for or even, women yeah maybe both Sorry, I probably phrased that weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I did a whole talk about um, myths um, about women artists. Um, I think a, I think a really interesting one is the one around like motherhood and Mm -hmm. and art. Um, I think there's, there's, well, one, there's this idea. It's like, oh, well, women's creative energy is for making children not for making art and like 
a man's sort of like creative energy goes into like birthing a painting, which is a phrasing I've heard a lot and it's actually kind of gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, so there's that, which is really strange <laughs> um, as if like a baby in a painting had any of the same sort of, I, I mean, uh, yeah, that one, I don't know how it developed. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, the fact that you sort of, I don't know, the idea that you're being, I mean, certainly, certainly there's, there's so much to be said about, you know, I'm not a mother myself. Um, so I don't, you know, can't speak at length on this topic. I mean, I can speak at length on this topic, but not maybe in the way that a, a mother would. But there's actually a great podcast. It's called the Artist Mother Podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And it's about artists who are mothers and they talk about um, what their days look like and, and the sort of bigger existential challenges of being a mother and an artist. Um, but, you know, certainly it's very possible to do both. Um, I think that, you know, there's, there's obviously some enlightened thinking that needs to go into it. I think that, you know, as with any woman who is a professional, you know, you have to um, have a, a partner or a, um, you know, a you know, great you know, group of friends or, or parents or, you know, there needs to be a support system because um, the difficulty of that is, is, is very clear, but, um, yeah, <laughs> I think I've talked to, I've talked to a lot of mothers who are artists and, you know, one of them, um, I think I mentioned this on my Instagram, actually, one of them was like, Hey, I have to like get my kids to school at eight o'clock and I have to pick them up. It's three. And that means all my painting has to happen in this window and I'm going to do it. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm not some, you know, party boy artist who rolls out of bed at, you know, 12, you know, in the afternoon and sort of lazily goes to the studio. Like the, the discipline that's required to do both is, is very obvious. And I'm sure it's true, you know, dad artists too, but you know, the societal expectation put on women as mothers is, is very different. Um, so mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that's something that actually isn't really engaged with that much, um, certainly in, you know, the press, um, but it's another, another big issue. Yeah, definitely. I actually, yeah, I just discovered that Mother Artist podcast like a couple yeah. of days ago, and I, mm -hmm. I was really excited to find that it looks really cool. Um, but yeah, I think that's such like a good point, like with like those pressures of like being a mother, and like, I think there's like that view of like, wow, how can someone do it all? When it's like, no, let's just remove right. that and just like let right. them be both, you know? Right, absolutely. Um, okay, so you, I saw that you were doing like this thing called like the 50 Woman Project. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you want to talk yeah. a little bit more about what exactly that is? Yeah, I would love to. It's my latest love. Um, I, so of course, we went into quarantine back in March. Um, and... I usually interview, as I said, I, well, I usually go to galleries and review shows um, in New York, and I <clears throat> interview artists in New York. Um, another privilege about being in New York is that it's, I mean, you walk down the street and you practically bump into an artist. And um, <laughs> so what was I going to do? I mean, some sh galleries were having these virtual shows, but I think the art world pretty quickly figured out that that was sort of... Um, basically just a website 
they called it a virtual show, but it's just yeah. you scrolling through a website. <laughs> and we know that looking at art through a screen is is not the same thing. So I decided that I was just gonna ignore all that. Um, and I started thinking like, why would I Zoom interview someone who was living, you know, basically across the street from me or, you know, in the next borough if, you know, it's basically the same thing to sit down at my computer and talk to someone in Idaho or Texas or Utah. Mm-hmm. I haven't done Utah yet, but I'm going to soon. Um, and so that just, and then I thought, you know, the, the whole, um, I suppose I should sort of give you an outline for what it is. It's 50 women, profiles of 50 women artists living outside of New York City. So, um, and LA. So the idea is that there are these mega hubs of the art world, um, dealers and collectors and artists, and they're all living in this big beehive and, and it's all, you know, fun and great, except for the, you know, thousands upon thousands of artists who are living somewhere else for whatever reason. One, they just don't want to be in New York City. Two, New York City is very expensive. Three, well, who knows? They want to raise their kids in a, in a nice, happy, place with Mm -hmm. lots of sky. Um, I don't blame them. Um, So I thought, you know, these, these women aren't getting the attention. You know, it's the same thing. Women aren't getting attention for a certain reason. You know, within a subset of women, there are different groups that are being paid attention to with different, um, you know, amounts of, of precision. So in some ways, a New York City artist who's a woman is, you know, being paid attention to much more than someone who's in, you know, rural Mississippi. And, and of course, there's a whole, you know, set of, of course, if you look at the statistics about representation of, you know, white women artists versus black women artists, the, the, the sliver that goes to black women artists is, is really shocking. And Mm. frankly, those, that data should be separated um, because it tells a very different story. So that was sort of the idea you know, it's like I'm already about championing people who haven't had um, the access that they should have. So why not just like send that <clears throat> to geography as well? Um, and you know, that's not same thing. Doesn't mean that you're making art that's not as good if you're living somewhere other than New York. Sometimes you're making better art because there are different or just different art because you're mm-hmm. being stimulated by things that just don't exist in New York City. Yeah. Maybe your materials are, you know, the dirt on the mesa. Like I uh, interviewed an artist last week who um, paints with, you know, southwestern dirt, which has that beautiful red color. That's and so cool that dirt doesn't exist in Central Park. She's not going <laughs> to be able to make the same art. So, yeah. Um, so it's been an amazing project. I just, I mean, it's like this, you know, you sit in front of a computer and you talk to someone on the other side of the world, um, the other side of the country. I've talked to, talked to a woman in Idaho. I talked to um, a woman on, um, who lives on her ancestral land in Oregon. Um, I've talked to a bunch of people in Texas, um, Mississippi, Alabama, uh, you know, just, it's it's a great stimulus for me you know I feel like they're doing I know forget about what exposure I'm giving them if you know if any um it's totally satisfying for me yeah 
That's incredible. How are you like finding these women, these artists? Like, are you just like scouring social media or do, are they coming to you or yeah, how's that process? <laughs> right. I mean, that's the other thing you have to, you know, you always have to be thinking about your sort of the, the system you set up and how it's mm-hmm. possibly, you know, skewing one way or the other. And I, I mean, I have to admit, I can't, you know, it's much easier for me to find young female artists because a lot of people aren't on the internet or they don't have a great artist website. Um, I mean, that's really my advice to any artist is to make sure you have a really fantastic website. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a temptation for a lot of people to sort of make it arty and sort of inscrutable. And I think that's probably a disservice to you. Um, so I, yeah, find them. I mean, sometimes I go down these rabbit holes and it's like two hours before I surface and I've ended up with a list of artists and I'm sort of in a daze and I can't really remember where they came from. (laughs) But you just sort of, you start, you start with something and, you know, I'll start with the department at a, you know, the art department at a big university and then I'll see what shows those artists, Mm -hmm. you know, were in and then I'll find you know, that they, you know, are in a collective with this artist, and then that will lead me to this person's Instagram, and they'll have mentioned that person, and, you know, it just ends up being, it's a big web. That's cool. No, I love that. Um, You mentioned advice that you would give to artists. Is there anything else, like, if you were to give an advice to a new woman artist who's trying to, you know, start a career or whatever? I know you mentioned, so having a good website is really important. Is there anything else that, like, you notice that maybe people should be doing better? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying, you know, it's it's kind of a crazy expectation we have of artists to be able to explain their work. Um, you know, if I had to explain my writing in a painting, like that, that's I don't know what I would do. Um, so to ask a painter to explain her painting in, you know, words is is something sort of a, a kind of a, a gargantuan ask. But I really do think that having an artist statement that's sort of pithy and concise and has um, very little jargon in it, you know, I think that there's a temptation to sort of make it sound like an artist statement when in reality the people who are whoever it is a collector or a gallerist who wants to represent you is going to want to see something that really just says what your art is Um, so i think that sort of thing is important you know a great website and something that really just sums up what you are in a couple words Um, i can't tell you how many press releases and artist statements that i've read that just you read them and you just sort of reflect and you're like, what did that just say? (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's what I would say. And you know, it's, there's no, as I said, there's no expectation that you need to be, I mean, these days I think you do need to be your own sort of representative. It's just, there's so many artists and, and you need to be able to talk about your work, but you know, ask someone what, they feel about their work your work or what you they sort of get from it and you know incorporate that there's no you know art is not a thing that's 
completely personal. When you put it out in the world, it becomes something that um, means something to other people. So um, I think if you think it's about one thing and everyone else looking at it thinks it's about another, maybe you should start thinking about what that means. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but. No, I love that. That's, that's good awesome. thoughts. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. Um, I want to spotlight this artist I found through the Women's Ally organization, actually. They had a silent auction and showcased some of her art. Um, the handle is Emily Shea Art, and she is doing um, a lot of art about, like, empowering women throughout history. And one of her most, one of her coolest works is she has this poster that is actually titled mm. Mighty Women in History, and then it's crossed out, and it says her story, which is cool. And it has people like Frida Kahlo, Amelia Earhart, Jane Goodall, um, Harriet Tubman, Mother Teresa, Joan of Arc, Anne Frank, Sacagawea, just a ton of incredible women that she illustrated. And then I think she also turned it into like a deck of cards, kind of. Oh, yeah, it's A to Z, Mighty Women and Her Story. So something you could like get your yeah. children like your daughters or even if you just want it for yourself like like me like I would want these um, <laughs> and it just has like different women throughout history and like a quote by them and then something that they stood for and they're just what a wonderful thing to like use your art to do to showcase powerful women throughout history yeah that's really cool I love that I feel like that's so unique to do like a deck of cards yeah and I just think she has like the cutest little portrait style like where it's approachable to children but it's still like I don't know like perfect for adults at the same time if that makes sense yeah like it's not like children yeah it's not like a children's story but it could also be accessible exactly to them, which is really cool. yeah and she like has a lot of diverse women too and mm -hmm. I don't know just really incredible Okay, cool. Well, the person that I want to spotlight is actually a friend of mine who is also a singer and songwriter. I met her at UVU. Her name is Janae, and you can find her on Instagram at Janae Artist. And I'm going to spell that. It's G-A-N-A-E and then artist. So, you know, like I mentioned, I actually know her personally. She's a, fr a friend of mine, and she has a beautiful voice like she a voice of butter and one of the best songwriters that I know personally yeah every time she I hear something that she writes I'm just truly amazed and you know I know that recently she's kind of taken that step to do music full-time and like try to make that like her primary career which I very much admire because I'm definitely still like very scared to like make that jump but she's so talented she's really cool um and you know just a lovely person as mm -hmm. well which is just a nice bonus so I would recommend you following her I do know that right now she's pretty consistent with posting on YouTube um so you know and her covers are beautiful so I would definitely recommend checking her out um and just checking out her music I know that she also has like an album on Spotify that's really good so yeah check her out she's got a lot of great content all right now back to the show um kind of a different little vein but like what are some of your favorite female artists from history that you have found that's a great question 
Um, I was thinking about this last night because I thought you might ask. It. <laughs> um, let's see. I love many, many, many women. Uh, Remedios Varro, um, the female surrealist from, or just a surrealist, but who was also female, um, <laughs> who fled Europe in World War II and she was Spanish and she ended up in Mexico with uh, Leonora Carrington and Caddy Horna and, um, you know, Frida Kahlo was obviously already there, but she was sort of a group of these European expat surrealist women um, who were pretty incredible. And her paintings are just these exquisite sort of fantastical worlds that have their own sort of internal logic. So they're, you know, it's not like looking at a surrealist painting where you're just like, what the heck is going on? It, there's something that, you know, it's a fantastical image, but it, it sort of all works somehow. Mm -hmm. um, who else do I love? Belki Sayon, who is this Cuban printmaker, um, who died very young, unfortunately, but made these sort of, you know, they're prints, but they're very, they're enormous in scale. And she had this sort of whole, maybe I'm, this is interesting, maybe I'm drawn to these sort of like, fantasy worlds that, that um, women construct. Um, but she had a great show at the El Museo del Barrio, which is in New York City, not too far from the Met actually, um, which does fantastic programming, particularly on women artists. They've had sort of three great shows on women artists in the last five years that have been pretty stunning. Um, but she, you know, really engages with this um, sort of, uh, sort of religious spiritual history of Cuba and, and sort of depicts a lot of the, their, um, their figures. There's a sort of religion, I don't want to, you know, butcher all the details of it, but there's a sort of um, kind of like martyr figure at the center who's a, who's a woman whose name I cannot remember right now, um, but all these prints sort of center around her and they're very sort of shadowy and mysterious and um, they're amazing, so. I mean, hmm. but Annie Elmers, who is a, a weaver from the Bauhaus, um, mm. who I wrote my master's thesis on, um, she was, you know, another person to flee Europe in World War II, came to the United States <clears throat> and was at uh, Black Mountain College, experimental college in North Carolina. Mm. And she was, you know, just a, a innovator in, in, weaving, which is, you know, millennia old, um, and really set the sort of tone for textile art in the United mm -hmm. States from there on out. Um, so, That's awesome. yeah, those are three people who are just, you know, on the top of my mind. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. It's people I need to go check out now, so thank you. Who are some of your favorites? Well... I don't have famous painters, but my favorite woman composer, that's what I know the most, is Clara Schumann. We've talked about her. She's really cool. This is like such a basic one, but my mom would always show me pictures of Mary, Mary Cassatt's paintings mm -hmm. growing up, and yeah. I loved hers. I know she's one of the females that gets more recognition, but I grew up with her no. paintings, and I always loved them. Totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a... Yeah, I think... 
before college, I think I probably knew three female artists. And it was Mary yeah. Kathot, mm-hmm. Frida Kahlo, and George O'Keefe. Yep, and, exactly. Yeah. Same ones. <laughs> yeah, right? But yes, I think that, you know, that was the, I had a series of, of like really thin sort of books for kids um, mm. about art. And that was the one that I always looked at most. Yep, mm-hmm. she was the only one in my little art history for kids, too. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. exactly. It's totally yeah. crazy. But oh, college, awesome. yeah, Artemisia Gentowski was, like, mm-hmm. the first one that I was like, wait, a female Baroque painter? Where, yeah, what? Exactly. I've never heard of her. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. No, that's yeah. awesome. As far as, like, thoughts on, like, the future, then, of women in arts or women in painting, like, I don't know how to ask this exactly, but I'm assuming there's like a much more like promising future. And I think it's really cool that, you know, obviously there's a lot of organizations and people just like noticing that problem. So like, Mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts on like, where do we go from here? Like what you Mm -hmm. hope to see, or I don't know, take that, I guess, how you want to. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I, I think data is super, super important. Um, Mm -hmm. I know as like art people, Sometimes numbers are a little scary, but um, I think that I think that museums need to be much more transparent with their numbers um, uh, about everything from you know who works for them and you know what level, what position they're in, um, and what their gender is and what their you know racial identity is, and mm-hmm. I think that sort of stuff is is very opaque. Um, I also think that numbers of you know um, who they're showing, where they're showing, also you know I I'm particularly sort of frustrated by the sort of you know the the lobby commission that goes to a female artist. Um, that sort of is something that you know bulks up the numbers um you can say oh yeah we showed a woman or like yeah we showed a woman of color but they're only in um you know the you know little gallery off the lobby that no one really goes into um i think i particularly find the the most recent sort of frustration i found was that um betty Sar, who is a 92 year old uh, black artist who's finally getting you know the sort of fanfare that she deserves. I think, I mean, she's always had a steady career, but now is sort of her moment. Um, And she had a show at MoMA um, that was a great show. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, But it was, it didn't have a catalog. Um, It was, you know, so many shows you go and you can buy a beautiful coffee table book and there's, you know, a couple scholars who have reflected on the work and, and written something about why they're significant. And, and this show didn't have that. It had sort of a sort of pamphlet kind of thing. Um, and I thought, you know, like, you know, it's all well and good to have, have someone, you know, MoMA, great, tons of people will come see that show, but the amount of people who are seeing it is a tiny, tiny bit compared to the amount of people who could access the catalog. And because there was no catalog, I thought that that was sort of a, a disservice to her, um, especially because she's had an entire career that could be reflected on. It's not like she's a, you know, emerging artist who's brand new and has, you know, a small body of work. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so data, where they're being exhibited, um, it's a sad thing and I don't want to, you know, 
bum anyone out, but there was a big data study done recently of museum acquisitions for female artists and um, by Artnet News. Um, and it said, the analysis concluded that the acquisition numbers for women artists peaked in, in 2009 and actually has sort of plateaued and, um, since, since then. So even though there's this interest, um, it's not reflected in, in the acquisition numbers by museums. So um, I think just simply knowing that, um, not being complacent is, is mm -hmm. an incredibly powerful place to be in. Um, yeah. Obviously it needs to be acted on. Um, and but knowing is like that, half the battle. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's true. I think that's true. Um, I think so many people still, you know, I'm so immersed in this world, so I know all the numbers, but people are still shocked when you say that, you know, only 14% of, of gallery represented artists are women, or, you know, only, you know, mm -hmm you know, less than 1% of, of uh, pieces by, you know, pieces in museum collections are by women of color, um, things like that. People just don't know. Yeah. Um, no, and I, I think kind of going back to how you said she didn't have a catalog, like, I think it kind of goes back to like your point of like writing, you know, like you can have these shows and that's great. But like, the truth is, is like the books or the writing, like that's going to be what's more accept accessible to people who are not able to attend those shows, whether that's, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why they don't have access to that. So yeah, I think that's so interesting that it's like they didn't have the catalog. So now there's a whole potential subsection of people that couldn't have been at the show that now that maybe could have or you know yeah I think that's really yeah that is, that's sad <laughs> it is it is it really because it, it just seemed like such a good opportunity yeah mm -hmm. totally and and those numbers too like the fact that 2009 like I'm yeah. shocked that that's that's 11 years ago. Like, exactly. I, I would have thought that maybe it plateaued in the last three years, four years right. or something like right. that. But 11 years ago, like, I yeah. can't believe that. So, yeah. yeah. And wow. if you think about that, that was, you know, before a lot of, you know, of course, feminism has always been present. But, mm -hmm. you know, Me Too happened in 2017. Um, you know, a lot of yeah. you know, reckoning around, around you know, women has happened in, in the last, you know, five years. And yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. is you'd think that in these last five years that you would hopefully see that, like, in a, um, a result, you know, in these conversations mm -hmm. sooner than, right. than, I guess, maybe what's actually happening. Yeah. You'd yeah. hope so, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think hope is a very important thing that needs to get you through, but sometimes, yeah, you need to know and to, to you know, look at hard numbers. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, and take action into, into your own exactly. hands, I guess, which is exactly kind of what we're doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, I think it really does matter. Um, yeah, having a platform <laughs> is, is so important. Yeah, okay, cool. I'm trying to think, is there like anything else specific to your organization that you'd like want to mention or talk about I'm trying to think of like what other questions I feel like we've hit on everything I was wondering about but I don't know if there's anything you'd like to say or talk about I don't know sorry it's very open-ended <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um well let me think let me think hmm. um 
Um, yeah, no, actually, you know what I was thinking? Um, one of the great, great uh, sort of results for me personally about this My 50 Women project is that I have um, sort of in my exploration have um, had the opportunity to research and also talk to um, a couple of great um, indigenous female artists. And mm. I think that um, there is a, I mean, if, if we're thinking, I mean, it makes no sense to sort of rank who is sort of the least representative of, of, of women of color, but I think certainly um, the indigenous population of the United States is, is horribly underrepresented. And I think there's this, um, there are a lot of sort of preconceived notions about what indigenous art is and what it looks like. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of it, people sort of assume, oh, it's sort of craft-based and, and craft is, is this sort of like sub-tier of, of, of art. Um, but there is a really robust and, and fascinating world of indigenous uh, contemporary art. Um, I think that uh, there's this tendency to think that our indigenous populations are part of this sort of storied American past. And it's absolutely not true. There are um, indigenous, indigenous female artists and, and male artists working um, in contemporary art, pushing the conversation forward. Um, and it's been really fantastic to actually get to connect to some of them. So um, that's my my shout out to the the just a, a group of of women doing incredible yeah. things. Um, and I know I've just scratched the surface. So on on all of these things. Um, yeah. So you know, there's nothing. There's no end to yeah. To, to look at I them. I love that you bring that up because me and Stani and I actually were talking about doing something like that for a potential future episode. And mm. I was, you know, trying to research and I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is almost like the least amount of information available of everything I've tried to look exactly. up. Like it yeah. was so hard. Like there was like old generic, you know, um, articles about their art. And it kind of brought up the fact that you said where people assume that it's like craft based or things like that. But yeah, oh, no, I, I noticed that of like, I'm like, how, how I'm like, there's gotta be more here that like, yeah. I just can't find. Um, it, it actually, that kind of reminded me of a question that I, I forgot is for people who maybe do want to take these steps and like learn more about mm. women artists or even, you know, just like this whole genre of art you just mentioned, right. like what advice would you give to people who are seeking out? Like, are there, like, is it just, you know, gen general Google searches or like, is there any like, yeah, advice you'd give and how people can find more and maybe, yeah, more effectively do so? Yeah. Um, I mean, I love books, so yes. <laughs> I'm definitely a person who thinks books are, are um, a good way to go. Um, I actually just bought, this book came out like not, not too long ago, um, The Short Story of Women Artists by uh, Susie Hodge. Um, I think it came out like in September. Um, but I think it's a fantastic book. I think it's a really good resource because it, it isn't one of these sort of, you know, here's, here's so many books about women artists will sort of do it like alphabetically so you have like a baroque artist next to like an ultra contemporary like performance artist and it, mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sort of like story of art um and i think that you know 
we're interested in the way women have made history, um, not just, you know, these sort of in individual sort of pinpricks of, of women's creativity. So this book, I think, is really great in that, one, it's chronological, but it also is sort of organized by theme, and it sort of connects, you know, different, um, different artists to different themes, and sort of connects them across time, and, you know, focuses on a single painting, which I feel like an analysis of a single painting is a much better way of, because so much art writing doesn't even, like, address art, it addresses biography, and I think that's sort of also a disservice. So, um, this is a good book. Um, I'm sure on eBay, there's so many great books from, like, the 70s, like, Women's yeah. Lib, where people, you know, made, you know, decided that they put together, you know, you can see, like, throughout history where the little upticks in, in publishing yeah. about women artists um, are. And I think it's, it really does follow sort of like feminism and, and women's movement. So great books on eBay, or you can get sort of vintage books. On the, yeah, on, on I love that. Yeah. No, and in terms of, cool. I appreciate, oh, sorry, go on. No, sorry. In terms of indigenous artists, there was just a show um, called Hearts of Our People. Um, yes, I, I found, yeah, yeah. go on. But yeah, I was able to find that. No, that's, it's a great, I mean, talk about a catalog. I mean, it's this big mm -hmm. thing and it's heavy and it's beautifully illustrated. So I definitely recommend that. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, I think that's everything. Starting, did you have any other questions or things to mention? <laughs> no, just thank you for doing what you're doing. Like the more I get into it, the more that I'm like, this needs more attention. And so as many of us out there as we can bringing even a small portion of more attention to it, I feel totally. like it's just such a worthwhile cause. So yeah, no, this is just the beginning of it. It feels like there's mm -hmm. like, yeah. we're very far from being a saturated uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> art, art, <laughs> yeah. And I love even Agreed. just your the name of the organization, like less mm -hmm. than half. Because it's like obviously, you know, women and men, it's about fifth, you know, like women mm -hmm. are about half the population, whatever. Yeah. But like, no, like if that's not what you see in these art right. fields. And it's not even just I think specific to painting. And that's something that I was thinking, like when you were sharing those statistics, like of like, oh, you know, 14% are women or, you know, something like that, where mm -hmm. like in the music world, which is like the world, you know, I'm very much interested in like songwriters and producers, like that's less than 1% or that's only 5%. Wow. And it's like, it's so interesting that it's like, okay, like if this is across all art disciplines, you know, maybe it's not that like, you know, just like that one, like, oh no, women are just bad painters, you know, okay. like it just exists everywhere in these art fields and, you know, different, what's the word? Yeah, just different fields. And so, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's interesting, but it's like, there's trends here. So like, why? Right. And like, what can we do? Yeah. It's hard to ignore when you have, yeah, sort yeah, of overwhelming exactly. evidence. And we can't, but yeah, thank you so much for reaching out to us too. I'm so glad that yeah, we were able to you. find this and yeah, connect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, the internet is an amazing thing. I know, Honestly. how crazy. You're all the way in Germany and we're like talking to you. This is awesome. And that was the episode. We're so grateful to Hall for coming on here and 
having this wonderful interview with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and listening. If you do want to support us, um, of course, you know, leaving us a review would be awesome. Or if you want to just stay connected with us, our Instagram is morethanamuse.podcast. We're always posting about obviously our episodes, but also just different things that we're finding in regards to women in the arts. Um, so we'd love to see you there. Or if you have any recommendations or anything, you can always email us in at more than podcast at gmail.com. So yeah, thank you again for listening and we will see you next week.